and welcome to our fourth edition of Understanding Yoga Study. My name is Vicky Adnall. I'm an MA student here at SOAS and a member of the Centre of Yoga Studies. Today we're looking at the combined discipline and methodology of anthropology and ethnography in relation to yoga. And I'm really thrilled to be joined by Dr. Daniela Bebelacqua, a postdoctoral researcher here at SOAS. Daniela is a South Asianist who uses ethnographic and historical methodologies to consider religious issues of Indian culture. She has a BA in Oriental Languages, an MD in Modern and Contemporary Indian History, and a PhD in Civilizations of Africa and Asia from Sapienza, University of Rome, and in Anthropology from the University of Paris, Nanterre. Her doctoral research was published by Routledge, under the title Modern Hindu Traditionalism in Contemporary India, the Srimad and the Jagad Guru Ramananda Charya in the Evolution of the Ramanandi Sampradaya. And it is through this work that she came to join the Hatha Yoga Project team in 2015 as a research assistant. Daniela has conducted years of ethnographic fieldwork amongst aesthetic practitioners in India, particularly those belonging to traditional sampradayas, and her work confronts ethnographic material with textual and historical evidence to reconstruct the development of yoga practices, which makes her the perfect guest for today's episode. Welcome, Daniela. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you so much for this uh, invitation. I really hope to be useful for your the program of understanding yoga, yoga studies. <laughs> I'm in no doubt that you will. Um, I wondered if you could start by telling us a bit about your academic background and perhaps how anthropology and ethnography um, and yoga uh, factor into that. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, uh, actually, like my background is based in Oriental languages. So I studied at the, the Sapienza University of Rome and uh, um, I, I, started, I started with the religious and then I moved to uh, contemporary history. And so my uh, background was very much based on you know, studying books, archives. And that is why uh, for the PhD, I wanted to dig a bit more into society. I wanted to interact with people. And so since for my um, MA, I worked on Hindu fundamentalism and especially on the Ayodhya issue, I wanted to understand the Rambakti. And so for the PhD, I planned um, a work, a research on this Ramanandi Sampradaya, but I didn't just want to reconstruct the historical development. I wanted to engage with sadhus. I wanted to understand what was going on, what is going on in the aesthetic scene about uh, the, the Ram Bhakti, the, the devotion to Ram. And so that's why you, you see on my CV, I have two PhD with the same uh, thesis, actually. And so I did my PhD in co-tutoring with the University of Paris, Paris Nanterre, and uh, and that is how I got uh, into uh, anthropology. So actually, I don't have a background in anthropology, and my tutor at that time, Veronique Bouillet, I think she really had to face a huge challenge because I wanted to do ethnographic research, but I didn't have any background. So you know, so at, at the very beginning, she suggested me some papers, you know, the, what are the, the basic knowledge you have to have in anthropology. But then she really gave me the best advice, like, okay, go there. Go in India and uh, start doing the fieldwork. 
And of course, before going there, I read some, you know, books about how to conduct ethnographic research because it's like, you know, some tools that you have to have, uh, some um, understanding, some way also to conduct uh, the fieldwork in a very um, ethical way. And so this was very, uh, very useful, you know, so have, to have a kind of background about some general issue in anthropology, especially reading like the monograph of other anthropologists who have worked on India and on uh, um, like religious context and having a kind of ABC about uh, what to do during the fieldwork. And uh, yeah, I think this was very, very much useful for, for me. Um, but uh, I mean, um, maybe we can talk a bit later about how they interact uh, uh, anthropology and ethnography. But as you said, through this kind of research, I, uh, I was um, um, developing these skills into Hindu asceticism. That is why then uh, uh, Professor James Mellinson asked me to join the, the Hatha Yoga project. And so this kind of uh, um, knowledge, even how to conduct ethnography in a kind of aesthetic background was very useful to collect then information about a, diff a completely different subject, that of yoga and embodied practices, because I, I didn't have any expertise about this. But so as, as usual, you have to prepare yourself before engaging with the with the fields with the let's say with within four months on a different topic so i prepare myself uh, on you know reading uh, about what was written and uh, fields of uh, this uh, yoga studies uh, and uh, and that is then when i realized that not much was written about the practices of sadhus so it's it sounds like all along the way it's your interest in practices and the people that have have driven what you've ended up doing and had about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it's like, you know, when I was studying, maybe you also, I don't know, other students will have that, this kind of, uh, I love and I hate India. Especially when you go there, you have a clash between like, oh, the fantastic world of the books and then the reality. And so I really wanted to understand the reality. So I really wanted to talk to people rather than reading about them to uh, to books, and that is why I think their anthropology was very useful in giving me these instruments of understanding the difference between the emic and the etic. Like you know, what is the perspective of the informants, and what is let's say our then reinterpretation from the academic scientific point of view. So when you have these two instruments, I think so the the emic perspective and the the theories then it's like you can, I think you can present something more original or you can understand the reality in a wider, in a wider way. And, uh, but yes, I mean, I'm very, that is also why I love doing fieldwork because I'm interested in people. I want to learn from people. I want to know something new. And I think, especially when you are facing a completely, completely different culture and these kind of topics that not many people have written about, the only thing you can do is just go there and learn from them. So, yeah, until now it was quite easy. Like, you know, as you said, like everything was moving uh, quite smoothly. So I'm very glad it happened. And do you think having that sort of balance of the real world experience of going out and, and speaking to the community you wanted to speak to, plus the, the theory also 
was a sort of good combination to navigate academia as well in a way and some of the preconceptions that maybe people have I mean I am in between an historian and ethnographer so for me for example it's fundamental to have this kind of synchronic and diachronic approach like you know you have a, a, a frame of the present but you you can reconstruct the history like the development that happened so why we are here so I think for me that is the very important, like, you know, being able to reconstruct this development and to have clear this in your mind, like, okay, the, the, the present is also the result of this, this and that. That is why, I mean, um, I, I, that is why I don't, I don't consider myself like a, a full anthropologist because I don't have that background. And that's why I consider myself a Asian And so that's why I think different kind of theories have to merge together when some uh, when a scholar or a student face a topic like an historical perspective anthropological perspective of course then it depends on the on the issue but i think the interdisciplinary approach is very useful if one wants to have a very wide um, comprehensive understanding of a situation or a context or people and practices and what does that combination of disciplines and methodologies bring to the field of yoga studies? Yeah, I think like, you know, as you know, like yoga was always, has been always starting from a textual perspective. So it's quite recent. The, the field of yoga studies is quite recent. And I think, I mean, nowadays there are a lot of research using ethnography. And this is very useful because um, yoga is really, can really open a lot of perspective, not just on the practices, but on the context, on the topic of decolonization, uh, adaptation, trans transnationalism. I, I mean, really, you can use like yoga as a as a tool to investigate so many different contexts from different disciplines, approaches, and and so on. So I think, uh, and of course, if people are interested in this interaction, and especially since yoga is so act, like actual practice and so much, um, is, let's say the, 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 the global importance of yoga is happening now. So it's like the best time for doing ethnographic research on, on this, uh, in this field. And so I would really encourage uh, you know, scholars to, to dig into, into that. Although I would also suggest people, because I, I'm, I'm not really updated about, you know, what is happening in the ethnographic scene of the yoga studies. But what I know is that there is not much ethnography in India. And especially, you know, I, I would like to, I would love to see studies on household practitioners in India. But not like connected to modern yoga, but this kind of lineages of householder practitioners, especially in, in South India, or those uh, families who are yogi adhikari, like for rights, they have the rights of being yogi, and so they act like fakirs in festivals. So I really think that in India there is there is a lot of there are a lot of possibilities for doing very interesting uh, and important ethnographic research, like even. Uh, 
doing uh, field work among Malans that are the, the Muslim, let's say the Sufis is still present in India and do they, they have a lot of connections with the uh, with Sadhus. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least this is something I would love to read about. You know, I think this is what like okay, I would like to read something about this, this, and that topic, and then it's like okay, it's not there. Someone has to do it. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and do the research. Exactly. You pick the students <laughs> in the world. I'm really conscious that that process of going out and doing field work is only, I guess, one part of the process. And that there's probably an, another side, a day-to-day side, where you're having to then deal with all of the, the data you've collected as, as well. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the day-to-day of your research perhaps you know when you're in the field but then also when you're not yeah uh, okay I mean I don't think people can take me as an example because I have to but maybe all the ethnographers are, are like that I mean it's really up to the field work I am for long lasting field work like you know four months six months because it's like Time is very important for collecting um, data, at least for me, it's very important. And so usually when I am uh, doing the field work uh, and often they are demanding, um, I spend the day outside and I collect, uh, you know, I spend time, I can, I can take notes on my notebook, I can record um, the interviews. Uh, if, if I can do that, of course, sometimes like days are just uh, empty. You know, you are just going outside, nothing is happening. So uh, it, it can really be an up and down constantly like, oh, today I collected this amazing information that is going to, to create a groundbreaking, you know, revelation. And maybe for weeks you're just, you know, going, go and come back, go come back, a bit disappointed also. But and so usually I, I, I would spend my day like that and then back in my room uh, writing my diaries. Uh, this is like all the ethnographers do that, like writing the notebook, the diaries. I was very naive. So a couple of years ago, I was writing like a, a, a real notebook, like by pen, like very happily. And then I understood that this was like a wasting a lot of time because then you have to transcribe everything on your laptop because you need this kind of information. And so everything now is in my laptop. Um but usually I don't transcribe the interviews while I am on the field. So I just took some notes. I keep reading because I, I constantly study. I love studying. So I keep reading if I can. And the problem is when you are back. When you are back, you have tons then of interviews that you have to transcribe. And you have to go through them like, I don't know, for how many hours. Because, you know, you know depend, depends if you have probably organized your data so you will have like uh, interviews you will have videos you will have photographs so i suggest uh, uh, the the students uh, uh, um, phd or researchers to be to properly organize their files don't do like me then at the end you find like a mess and it's like oh my god <laughs> what is going to happen so slowly slowly create your kind of method of organizing your data and then i go to the data and through the data like transcribing the interviews, I create my ideas, like, you know, through this kind of any information, then I look for the academic explanation. So, in fact, I mean, just thinking about what we were saying before about the theories, 
I think it's very good not to go to the field with having like the idea of, of like I want to look and search for this. I want to find this, you know, because sometimes this is the mistake. I'm going to find this kind of of stuff, and then you become blind about the different information that you are getting that perhaps can be more uh, important than the one you were searching. So I think it's very important to maintain a very open mind, to be a kind of white page ready to um, collect everything that could be maybe useful or not, but you know, to be open to receive different kind of information, even those that you, you didn't read somewhere else and you have no theories to connect, because that is where you can be very original. It's like it's, it's there that you can contribute to the, to the development of the state of the art of that specific topic. And so basically, this is how I connected the theory to my work, like after. It's like, okay, I have this general idea on my background, then I create my emic understanding, and then I, I'm like looking for it in the academic uh, material and if i don't find it it means that it's something new that can be discussed and can be suggested it can be important investigated so this is yeah more or less of course the boring part is when you are back and you have to work on the on your data <laughs> not quite as spontaneous <laughs> yeah exactly it's like oh my god where are my adventures days gone <laughs> but that makes complete sense that you go out or you you prefer to go out as an observer, like you said, like a blank page so that you can really take in what's going on and not be blind to to all the things happening, not just the things that you were perhaps expecting to see. And then perhaps the theories have more of a role when you're back and making sense of all of that and sort of navigating the information you've collected. I wanted to learn from reality, not just what I was studying on. It's like, you know, when you are in a context, you can learn about your topic, but you can learn about general issues that will make you stronger as a scholar or as a human being or as a person thinking with his or her own brain. I wondered if you could share a favorite moment from the field. I mean, these days I have so many, you know, I miss so much the field work that I would say every moment for me was a fantastic moment to remember. It's really these days, I would say it's really about the mood. Like now that I I really miss being with the people. And so I would say I really miss the, the, the Kumba Mela time when, uh, you know, you are in this incredible atmosphere with so many people around you. And, uh, you know, you, you never know what is going to happen. But at the same time, you are with... I mean, I love being with Sadhus. And so it's very... It's one of the best environment to to see what is going on, even not from let's say as I said from the uh, the point of view of my research, but really the interaction between the different groups uh, and uh, you know what Shaiva thinks about Vaishnavas. So really seeing the the human side of uh, of the research and this all you know spending time with devotees, uh, cutting vegetables and then eating all together. I really, I mean, I'm really missing this kind of uh, timing and, you know, being part of uh, of the fields. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, no, it, it must feel strange of not being able to reconnect and go out and travel, you know, over the last couple of years with the pandemic, it must have impacted 
research a lot actually in terms of what people can do and their mobility uh, even for my phd i love writing my research like let's say the monograph of the phd i wrote my phd in india and i wanted to write even like the monograph of the articles while being in india because i think it's i mean for me it's inspiring and if you need anything you just go to the informant and you ask further right and of course it, it was impossible it's very strange for me i spent the last yeah, 11 years of my life going every year in india for 6 months and now i'm stuck but this is for everyone so it's in relation to yoga studies which it sounds like it wasn't necessarily a field you planned to to be in having worked on the happy yoga project and engaged with some of the work going on in the field what you think perhaps the future holds particularly in terms of ethnographic studies you know what's emerging and you've spoken a little bit more about what the the next few years in yoga studies yeah as i told you i think it's like the the, the field of yoga studies is, is a baby compared to the other academic fields like we were talking before so i really think it's full of opportunities and the possibilities, because you can really look at yoga from different uh, perspective. And I think something that could be very useful would be to create like uh, groups of research, not just individual people doing their own research, but creating teams. And so to uh, to create more compar- com- comparative uh, research project, so to create connection between you know the the present practice uh, and uh, for example, China or South America and these and that. So putting together efforts that are already uh, there and not just one person doing uh, multi-sided fieldwork, but different people engaging and interacting because this is very constructive uh, in, in, uh, in terms of uh, results. And then, as I said before, uh, engaging more in uh, ethnography in India, like even you know, someone keeping keeping doing what I did because I was just one person. There are some uh, scholars who are doing this research, but I think it's it's such a huge world, and the aesthetic groups are so many. And uh, I seen I've seen that people are focusing mostly on the four that I have already worked on, but there are plenty. And so it would be very interesting to see the idea of yoga in all these different contexts. Not just thinking about yoga as asanas, but bhakti yoga, raji yoga, alaya yoga. I mean, it's, you know, just expanding what is yoga. Uh, so I think this could be very, very, I mean, as, as always, <laughs> would be interesting for me to read about that. <laughs> so I really hope again people will engage. Do you have any final tips or things, you know, advice that you would give? Um, this is something that I always say, just uh, being humble, respect your informant, and uh, being ready to study with them. Like, not to study them, but to study with them. So really uh, approach the informants of the people that that you are going to work with as as human beings, because it's, ethnography is really based on this sharing of connection information and so that's why time is very important to create this kind of human relationships um 
Yeah, I think it's like, you know, fieldwork can be very personal. Everyone has to find the way to conduct his or her own fieldwork. So, but uh, always with, I would say, with the maximum respect for the people you are going to interact with. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and just finally, what are you working on now, Daniela? I know that there's still some of the remnants of the Hatha Yoga project taking taking place. So is there anything you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, nowadays I'm working on the Kinarakara. That is this group of transgender women that stems from the Hijra tradition that has created like big changes in the aesthetic world. So it's like uh, it's a new research, again, based in uh, in the ascetic world, in the religious world, but more focused on uh, transgender issues and religious feminism. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for you, Vicky, and to everyone who's going to listen at this uh, interview. <laughs>